Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are in no position to be able to defend ourselves in any way whatsoever. Ireland is defenseless. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. Help us. Without G backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is, then it wouldn't have gone anywhere. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Gotta tell you, I got a little thrill yesterday evening. I, I got a real sense of happiness. At, at that announcement because Mary Crilly is not just a friend and I'm privileged to call her such but she is a personal heroine of mine for many, many, many years and has featured on this program more times than either of us I guess would care to remember talking about her work and to find that she's been named as a Freeman of the City by our Lord Mayor Councillor Kelleher if he does nothing else in the course of his year in office and he's done quite a bit has called him. he'll have done a great day's work in nominating the wonderful Mary Quilly as Freeman of the City. Fabulous news. Absolutely wonderful news. Good morning to you. 0818 96 96 96. There's a meeting on today uh, between the chap from West Cork Connects and the council to do with the moving of the coach parking stops, which um, we found out about on this programme a week and a bit ago now because none of us knew it was going to happen, but all of the private coach stops being taken off Patrick's Key, or most of them anyway, and dotted around the city as part of some kind of new transport plan. It's not working for a lot of the operators, particularly West Cork Connect. There's a meeting today, and hopefully we'll have more about that, or know more about that, uh, either later today or tomorrow. So we're following that one. Come here to me. Did anyone ever turn around and say to you, you're too young to be wearing that? I choked them. I That's too young for you, or you're too old for that shirt. Or those jeans are too... I'd choke them. I'd absolutely choke them. But is there an age at which you really do need to look at yourself and say, actually, that doesn't suit me? Um, I'm talking to a guy later on who bought a jacket and was still told, no, 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 take it back. Take it back. It's it's too young for you. Now, I, I would lose me mind if someone did that. But anyway, see what you think. Also, um, a dream job. Oh, we've a dream job. Oh, you were on about dream jobs yesterday. Dream job, making sweets. Not a job I could do. I'd, I'd be fired for, for eating the produce, but not a job. But there is a job coming up, making sweets. Making sweets. That's later also. And you know when you're going out for a bite to eat? You'd be thinking of where I got to go on Friday night or Saturday night for a bite to eat. Um, and you'd try a place and you'd never done it before. Would you read a review? Would you go on to TripAdvisor or wherever? And start reading reviews of the restaurants you're planning to go to for your dinner. Now, I think it's a small bit anal to be doing that. I wonder, would you do it, though? 
I'd rather go along and take my chances. If a place has a nice reputation, it has a nice reputation. But we'll see. That's all coming up in the course of the morning. But first, the Cabinet, it's according to the examiner this morning, the Cabinet is to give the approval for €74 million Euro in EU funds to help upgrade our commuter rail services in Cork, our local rail services, which, to be fair, need some improvement. Daniel McConnell, political editor of The Examiner, joins me. Daniel, what do you know? Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, so basically because of COVID-19, the EU uh, basically put together this massive fund to help countries through uh, the pandemic, but also to try and kickstart some kind of rejuvenation uh, kind of projects. And it's called the Recovery and Resilience Fund. And of that, Ireland was entitled to get claim or draw down about 990 million quids worth of money. So what Michael McGrath and Pascal Donoghue are doing this morning is seeking cabinet approval to draw down 74 million euro of that and one of the marquee projects of that uh, I suppose earmarked for that recovery and resilience fund is the rolling out of this uh, light rail network in Cork and the upgrading of, of, of the existing network in current in terms of connections signaling all that kind of stuff so I mean it is it, a significant step forward in terms of the, the process um, and it will allow the government to draw down those funds in the quarter four of this year so the last three months of this year um, so uh, I mean obviously Eamon Ryan uh, who's not a fan of roads, lo- loves his rail uh, projects, and this is one of his big key mar- mar- marquee projects. So is it that we get more services, do you think, in Cork, or just improve the existing ones? No, I think this is to kind of this is part and parcel of uh, not only to improve and develop the existing network, but it's to advance on it. And, and this is, I suppose, to not only is it to you know, the, the the kind of the heavy rail kind of signalling and points and, and to put more more lines and more um, carriages on the existing kind of existing uh, kind of network. But it's also to kind of contribute towards the, the rolling out of the proposed Lewis type network around, around Cork City. The idea essentially is that Ireland is so under electrified when it comes to our rail network that we need to play catch up. And this, this funding is a step in the right direction. Uh, and ultimately what, um, as I said, you know, we're entitled to just under a billion euro from this fund. And there's about 13 separate projects identified, uh, you know, in totality. Um, but the Cork rail one is probably one of the marquee ones. And certainly when I went on looking at the brief on the European Commission website last night to, to kind of go through what exactly is involved in this plan, um, the, concentrating on developing the network of, of uh, rail in Cork was certainly the kind of the, the standout mentioned or the, the standard project mentioned in the plan. Okay, we do, certainly do need more rail and we need it to run more more efficiently and they've been talking about a Lewis for Cork almost since as long as they're talking about the Jack Lynch Tunnel and we know how long it took to get that but the, the Greens do want to bring that forward don't they? They want to get that started during this programme for government. They do because I think what you're seeing and I think as we were reporting last week I mean like you've a fresh route brewing in kind of Limerick and Shannon because there had been previous commitments to a road there but Eamon Ryan has actually gone in and blocked that and stopped that and what he basically wants to do is spend more money on you know kind of building up rail networks and public transport now obviously you know that's fine in sort of more urban areas where you probably have a capacity and you have the, the ability to do so but that doesn't work in kind of more rural areas and stuff like that as well so so I do think you have this sort of ideological 
negotiate going on within government as to what can can be done. Uh, we know that the national development plan is 165 billion, and there's a huge amount of kind of transport infrastructure kind of upgrades being planned and being earmarked for that, and that that's over a 20 year period. Um, but you know, and these things don't happen quickly as we all know planning in this country takes an awful long time and there tends to be an awful lot of objections but you you are right there is a kind of a push on uh within this government and particularly with the green elements in this government to get these sort of public transport and rail uh, networks uh in particular up and running or at least as progress as much as possible but you know uh, you know i suppose while this today is a significant step forward you know i think we're probably still a long way off from seeing actual boots you know boots being on the ground and and, and kind of you know roads being dug up etc like that absolutely and the cabinet will give its nod today for this 74 million will will we get a list then do you think of what actually is going to be done or is it just all aspirational no i think that there's like because this this, this project this this billion euro essentially fund is earmarked for for specific projects so i do think we will get a sort of a timeline or at least a specific kind of projects uh, for which this kind of drawdown is related to uh, so i think that will happen without question i suppose what we will really want to see the detail of is the exact timelines of start dates of when people will actually start digging in the ground and when i suppose we can you know from the public's perspective when can we actually see these uh, services coming into into line because we often hear about 10 or 15 you know year time scales etc like that but i think you know for for this to actually mean anything uh we will need to see some kind of real progress on that front but uh you know as i said it was certainly when it was being briefed to me last night it was certainly been being talked about in a, in a sort of significant enough um kind of way so i mean this is not an insignificant step forward and obviously sure. you know as familiar as i am with, with cork and all the rest of it, you know like traffic can be can be troublesome as it can be in dublin as well so any sort of ways to try and ease those pressures is certainly a welcome development indeed daniel lastly and very very briefly i know you're you and your team are across it this very unseemly shouting match that continues about the maternity hospital. Where is this all going to end, do you think? Yeah, so obviously we know last week the government decided to pause the kind of the approval of that, that the plan, which would see the government take its 300-year lease for 10 euro a year on the site of St. Vincent's Hospital in Dublin. I think what they've allowed, that's allowed, and the publication of documents has allowed people to sort of have their concerns addressed. Now, the still fundamental problem is that we, we will have a state-owned building on not-state land. Yeah. And ultimately, I suppose, what the government has been trying to do is assuage concerns as much as possible, saying, listen, we have effective ownership for 300 years. We've guaranteed that it'll be independent. There will be no ethos, I suppose, dictated upon this new hospital. Uh, and Catherine Martin is, is the only kind of standout minister who has refused to sort of commit to it. We were doing a ring round yesterday. All the Fine Gael ministers are on board. We had the Taoiseach and Stephen Donnie out yesterday all back. And so Fianna Fáil are on board. So it literally is only Catherine Martin as of now who, who's holding out. Um, but I do get the sense that given the direction of travel, I think this will go through Cabinet next week. Uh, and ultimately, I think, you know, uh, it, it's all over by the shouting, really. Okay. All right. Thank you. Daniel McConnell, political editor of the Irish Examiner. Thanks, Danny. We're going to get 74 million yo-yos being spent on better train services here in the city. Councillor John Maher, you took the words right out of my mouth, John. Uh, I remember reading, God, it's at least 10, if it's not more than that, years ago, that they were going to open a station in Blackpool at Kilbarry which would have been so helpful and so useful. And they were talking about it and faffing about about it for at least the last 10 years. John, that's you're right there. That's a priority. Where should we get railway stations? No, look, we're not at... Don't be, don't be going asking for a railway station down in Goleen, right? But let's, let's... I mean, we should surely have a railway station in Kilbarry, Stoke Blackpool. We should have another one probably in Blarney. 
There should surely be one in Blarney as well. More stations to use that brilliant commuter route, which you can now get on a leap card since uh, earlier this week. But we'll find out more. On the bus stops, why didn't they put the Cork Dublin coaches outside Waterstones so people could land right in the heart of the shopping area? Plenty of space there. Maybe not by day, caller, but a good point. Yeah. 0818 96 96 96. There's something on the Echo this morning, front page of the Echo. I see uh, Chief Superintendent Con Cadigan talking about a recent increase in assaults across Cork as a very worrying trend. And look, if we get one call a week about people being assaulted or people having an upsetting experience on the streets of Cork, we get a dozen. Uh, and so many people afraid to go on air about it because obviously they're afraid of repercussions. But this was at the new, uh, the latest meeting of the Joint Policing Committee, the JPC, uh, and it showed that in the first four months of 2021, there were 47 incidents of assault in the Cork City Division. And the Cork North was 42, that's up from 25. And West Cork had another increase and Chief Superintendent Cadigan, who at this point Con Cadigan, one of the most experienced police officers, a senior guard in the entire province let alone just the county Con says our assaults are on the increase again, that's a worrying trend our serious and minor assaults have increased quite significantly a lot of them end up in the accidents emergency which puts additional pressure on there 0818 96, your thoughts on that or anything else that's on your mind. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Let's get down, let's get down to business. We're back to the music. The Cork's 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Just like this. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100 euro Just Eat voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Join the Quark's 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. Quark's 96FM. Kate asks if Superintendent Cadigan is so worried about the assaults, why doesn't he assign more guards to foot patrols and responses? That is surely... The priority. Kate, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. But if you recall back my conversation a week or so ago with Patrick Harrington from the Gather Representative Association, where he reckons, the GRA reckons Cork is about 100 guards short of what it needs to have. So Khan or any of his colleagues, the senior colleagues, they don't have the manpower. There, there's there's the, the, the biggest problem, one would suggest, um, 0818 96 96 96. Now, we kind of think if you have a medical card, if you're lucky enough to have a medical card, that pretty much everything that ails you is covered. And if you don't have a medical card, then that would be your assumption. Uh, that pretty much everything is covered. Um, Dr. Mike Thompson uh, down in East Cork brought up in the course of a discussion on Twitter in the last week that so many things that affect women's health are not actually covered by the medical card. This was on the back of a, an article in The Independent, which said a new study into women's health care 
finds many women feel they are not being listened to or taken seriously when they speak to their GPs and consultants about sexual and reproductive health issues. And that led to a discussion on social media. But comments that Dr. Thompson made, he's there now. Mike, good morning. What, why is, morning, one, one would assume that if you have a medical card, pretty much everything that ails you can be dealt with. But that's not the case. No, PJ, it's a, it's a contract we hold as independent subcontractors with the HSC from a 1970s contract. And it's essentially a very outmoded. It actually covers you legally for acute illness and repeat prescriptions. Now, again, 1970s Ireland, PJ, was, was when the contract was drafted, uh, four years before I was born. Uh, life expectancy was 71. You know, the arms crisis, the Beatles had split up, Dana won the Eurovision. Um, you, you know, there was no such thing as blood tests, MRIs, there was no computers, there was no mobile phones, very few of us had landlines, very few of us had cars. So it's from a different era and it is an outmoded contract that is probably not fit for purpose. You know, so when you consider... Card, med- you're, you're, you're a doctor within the medical card system and the medical card system is older yeah. than you are. Oh yeah, it's wow. a, it's it's older than the vast majority of us, and I suppose for now, you know, and I think you know everyone. I would hope to think that we would none of us would discriminate, but we are small business holders. I think our patients all deserve a local, accessible, safe, quick, evidence based, but appropriate GP service. Um, now. This isn't a kind of a HSC versus GPs thing. I think the HSC have been very good of recently. I think we're coming together in lots of things. But I think the HSC must understand too that they do pay us for certain services such as um, termination of pregnancy, palliative care, taking smears, immunizations. But but the one that kind of irked us a little bit was, I suppose, the pregnancy one where um, it's interesting, but for, for looking after a woman, her whole nine months of pregnancy, including her six-week visits, we get paid half what I do to terminate a pregnancy. Um, so, the, you know, I think women are certainly going to be disenfranchised by this. We get paid about €28 Euros for an antenatal visit, which is a pregnancy visit, which, unfortunately for GP, is, is probably loss-leading. It's uneconomical. Mm. Um, and I do think, you know, these sorry, are very, Mike, very important you're not allowed, you're not allowed, sorry to cut across you, you're not allowed to yeah. top up that, are you? No, that's, so that's called a co-pay, uh, and that's illegal. We're not looking for co-pay. I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, you say, oh, it, it should be an extra 10 or 20. What we're looking for, I suppose, is an economical fee for pregnancy. But, but PG, again, even if you think back to 1970, since then, we're, we're kind of moving from an illness to a wellness model. So lots of the consultations I'll have today, HRT, bone health, menopause, contraception, they really didn't exist in 1970. Okay. And if you think about it, they're they're quite detailed, complex consultations, you know, and and to do them in the old 10, 15 minute model doesn't do it justice. Um, And I certainly hear women's voices, you know, that, oh, my GP doesn't listen to you. We have capacity is a huge issue in general practice. And you know, I often feel patients are in competition with each other to get an appointment. You know, you have 25 appointments, 30 appointments in a day. When they're gone, they're gone. You squeeze in another five, you squeeze in another five. At what point does it become a little bit unsafe? You know, so I think the way with this is for the HSE to pay economically. That will attract more GPs, mm. more GPs, more appointments, more choice, longer appointments, better skill mix, more competition. Mm. Um. You know, I think it's patient safety at the end of the day. So, and interesting, some of the new HSE developments, such as chronic disease, 
COVID vaccinations, they're displacing our capacity for acute care. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's interesting. I think, again, women are more affected than males. I do think if males were pregnant, GPs would be paid more than 20 euros a visit. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's... It, it, it certainly needs to be looked at. Yeah. Um, so and I think... Just, just take, take two examples yeah. of that list you just gave now. And again, this is just putting into perspective for people who who might think that once you have a medical card, everything is dealt with. So so a woman coming to you on a medical card and will say, you suspect she may have brittle bone or you sus- <laughs> or definitely she, she's struggling with her mental health. You'll see her on her medical card. Of course you will. But you we get, do and we don't charge is the reality. You get nothing. You yeah. get nothing for that. Yeah. But again, it's, you know, and there's a, there's certainly going to be an answer pro bono and these are our patients, whether they have or don't have medical cards. But at the end of the day, I mean, it, it needs to be a viable business model too as well. And if if everything was free, there, there'd be no GP. So, yes. it, you know, yeah. and I do think it's, you know, I wouldn't, I think co-pay shouldn't happen. I think the HSE should fund the model. Mm. And if the HSE fund a model that we can spend 30 minutes with someone, well, then you know they're going to get a better consultation. Yeah. Um, so I remember the moment a we story feel, a couple of years ago, Mike, about people on a medical card where the doctor would take a blood test or a urine test or whatever and were charging a, a small fee on top. Is that what you mean by copay? And that is illegal, is it? No. No, no, a copay is when you charge for a consultation. No blood fees and, and extra tests again. I mean, they're so far gone from the contract. I think most of us now, due to things like IT and courier fees, would charge a nominal fee. I charge a tenner here. But copay would be kind of billing, let's say, an extra 30 or 40 euros on top of a consultation to, to bring it up to an economical fee. We don't do that. We, yeah. we take it on the chin. Yeah. But PJ, at what you know, it, that wouldn't be a sustainable model for Tesco's. Yeah. Well, you know, no. Um, I'm looking at. I'm thinking of any of my listeners, and certainly most of them would be under fifty anyway. But I'm thinking, would anybody do a job uh, on a contract that was written up fifty years ago? Because that's exactly what you guys are being asked to do. Yes, it, it exactly is. The capitation, um, until very recently, I might ask you a question, PJ. So if we're looking after an eight-year-old, how much do I get paid a year? Oh, I have no an idea. An eight-year-old boy. I have no idea. Uh, come on, have a, come on, play the game with me. Thousand euro? Yeah, so it was 43 euros two years ago. It's now up to 64 euros a year. And that's for unlimited visits, PJ. Okay. okay. Now that rises to a woman, let's say, of 24 to 134 euros a year. Right. So, BJ, unfortunately, what we're doing with people's lives is we're playing a numbers game. Okay. Um, now, again, for that, PJ, remember, I have to pay running costs, capital. I do get a little bit towards my staff. But, you know, the, the it's so outmoded, I think, and, and, and a little bit private practice is nearly supplementing public practice. Um, and the worry is that the guys below us, they're less likely to come in and open up a business and be an employer because it's not that attractive. You know, when you look at it, it's probably far better for them to take an assistant role. It makes absolutely no no financial sense at all. And particularly coming back again, if, if we can, to the women's conditions uh, or the, 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 yes. the, the menopause, for example. And we talk so much about it now and we'll be talking later about it in the programme again about HRT. Great, Men, great, menopause, great. Bone, yeah. bone health, which I understand can affect women 
uh, in their 30s so. to 40s yeah. and, and early onset of, of um, brittle bone and stuff like that. None of that None of that is covered. So you effectively are treating women, bringing them through their menopausal issues, bringing them through their bone health and their mental health issues for nothing. It's unsustainable. To the best of our ability, PJ, we're certainly learning. Um, but that is a truism, you know. Um, it and, is. And contraceptive it, consultations, Mike, that's that's not covered. Interestingly, so contraception is not covered, whereas termination of pregnancy is. It's a bit of a, a, an anachronism. Contraception is covered for one type of contraception. Um, I, I do think there are plans, uh, Minister Donnelly has, for younger women to introduce free contraception in the next budget. Um, but it needs to be, you know, the whole, I think the whole women health area needs to be looked at and funded properly. Yeah. And we did, this is, you know, oh, doctors looking for more money. If I get more money, I'll employ another nurse, I'll employ another GP, I'll be able to give patients more time. You know, it, it definitely goes back in. It, you know, so there's there's a funding and a capacity model. The funding will fix the capacity model. You know, we hear it every single day. Oh, it's not like it used to be. I could see my own doctor straight away. We, you know, mm. we that's what that's 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 what I that's what I like doing. Mm. Okay, we 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 struggle with you know sixteen people looking for one appointment, etc. Like that. Whereas if we can have more GPs, yeah. that GPs are 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 a cheap service. Okay. They're far, you know, than waiting for our patients. You can see us quickly. We hope we bring a level of expertise to it. Um, and I think the more GPs there are, the more appointments people will have, the more mm. choice they'll have. Mm. Longer appointments they can have. You get a better skill mix. You might get to Again, see your PJ, own doctor the same day. There you go. And you go, you know, PJ, I don't think we can be experts at everything, you know. So even within this practice here, we'll have a female per- per person. She probably tends to do a lot of the contraceptive HRT work. You know, so I think the more that we can employ or become or attract GPs into the career, because I think it's one of the things that certainly works, certainly used to work, you know, uh, access to your GP. And a very, 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 very groundbreaking study is people who have a regular GP are less likely to be hospitalized, need referrals, go to A&E and actually live longer. Something you said at the start, I wanted to come back to You're paid more. As a doctor, in your practice, you're paid more to terminate a pregnancy than you are to bring a woman through her pregnancy. Yeah, so I think the fee to terminate a pregnancy is economic. I think it's justifiable and I think it's fair. But it just shows you. So we get €242 is the total payment we get from pregnancy pregnancy confirmation to six-week check. Right. And how much, you know, so you that's get, t- how, you know, how much do you get for termination? Do you know? 450 euros. Wow. Well, Eugene is just saying here, can you imagine if our cars were still the 1970s spec? We'd still be driving the original Airtype, Beetle, Morris Minders and Ford Escorts. How, how can you run a medical card system under 1970s rules? That's, that's the understanding. That's how people get our understanding is. And again, I think the HSC are are, are open. Uh, you know, the HSC people uh, get a lot of grief, but it's actually the Department of uh, of Finance, I think, or the Department of Health. The HSC would, I think, love to be able to fund us for everything because then they're going to be under less pressure. So, and I think the HSC have introduced some fantastic stuff, but I do think it's time now for a, a root and branch. I think look at, um, you know, part-time general practice contracts uncoupling out of hours there's lots of things PJ yeah. and again it's, it is a little bit people can always you kind of won't miss it till it's gone 
And you can already sense people getting a little bit antsy about not seeing their GP, not seeing their GP on the same day, having to go to out of hours, you know, appointment a week's time. We're drifting towards the NHS there, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily think that's, for general practice, the best model to go to. Yeah. I was only chatting to a friend actually over the weekend who is uh, in, in Britain and uses the NHS and the days when you could actually get your own doctor the same way, the same day, long, long gone, mm-hmm. long, long gone. Mm-hmm. Which is a pity. I, I think, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the best thing about my job is the people, is my is the patients. It really is. And you know, you know what makes them tick, you know, and you can kind of tell straight away if they're, if there's something up, you know, and to be able to, to the luxury of spending 30 minutes with someone like PJ, you know, mental health has just certainly since COVID with the adolescence has sure, exploded. Sure. And, and to, 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 to shoehorn that into an emergency five minute consultation, it, it, it's not fair on the patient, but it's also not fair on me, to be honest, because yeah. they're not getting the best of us, I think, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, someone coming to you, we often hear it here, or we all, always say it when you're when you're chatting, when we're chatting about mental health or depression or anything like that, we always say, ring this number, ring that number, or just call mm-hmm. your GP. And, and we do yeah. that with the best of intentions, but you're saying to me, the GP might have to shoehorn you in for five minutes because... <laughs> It does, just doesn't well, have the half an hour you might need. Yeah, well, it's that or nothing. And then you try and safety net and bring them back as soon as you can, you know. But it's, you know, sometimes, especially with rapport with younger people, you might only get one chance. And they, if it's a rushed five minutes, they'll say, I'll come back to him or her, you know. So it, it, it is important, I think, you know. And if we could, it keeps going back to PJ. The more GPs, it would be better for general practice. It would be better for patients. Mm-hmm. It's actually going to be cheaper for the country overall. Okay, there'll be less people going to South Dock, less people going to A and E, um, and there are plans. But again, we need to make it a kind of a, attractive at the moment. Um, and it, it's, it's, no, getting it's no wonder, harder. Mike, that people. It's no, and I was talking about it a few months back. It's no wonder there's a shortage of GPs with what you're telling me. To be quite honest, there was twenty to twenty-five percent of its GPs in the next four years due to retirement. Um, so we have way more going out the back door than coming in the front door. Mm. Um, and I suppose, you know, the, the modern trend certainly is maybe to, to kind of, you know, less, you know, maybe more part-time work, etc. like that. Certainly there's a, a grow for heading off to Australia or down under for a few years. Some of them won't come back. Um, and this brain drain is a pity because we need, you know, these, we need these people to come back. Yeah. We need them to be the future. We need them to look after you and me and our dotage, PJ, you know. Yeah. Um, and because... It's it's a simple enough. Um, I always call it low technology with high expertise career, you know, yeah, gotcha. and it's fantastic. And when it works, I think it works. You know, yeah. most people are fond enough of their own GP. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, yeah, but it's it's getting trickier and trickier. And like you said, thanks, Mike Mike Thompson, uh, Doctor Mike Thompson, based in East Cork. All the talk about women's health, uh, and they can batter on all they on they want about women's health and their focus on women's health and how much they care about women's health, and and they can have conferences, whole conferences about women's health as they did recently. But then, contraception, menopause, bone health, mental health, but conce- contraception, menopause, bone health—three things particularly affecting women—not uh, actually covered at all under the GP medical card contract. So, as Mike says, who are they trying to kid? 0818969696 on buses in Dublin. Anne says, in Dublin, the coaches stop at Westmoreland Street and O'Connell Street. They do. Why does Cork City not have any convenience for all? There's a lot outside of Waterstones, a slot outside of Waterstones that could be used for one or two coaches. There could be a space or two allocated round the corner 
from 97 South Mall or onto Parnell Place. Yeah, but Anne, we have a place. It's called St. Patrick's Key and they're all working grand there for the last couple of years. Now, Damien Long from West Cork Connect has a meeting, I think, today with council to see where he might go. Uh, I'm reading from a piece in The Examiner where he's almost suggesting he may have to close his business if this plan goes ahead as is intended. Does anybody want that? 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Dario Callahan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The Debenhams building on Patrick Street, or the Rocher Stores building, as it would have been for years, that's going on the market. Uh, Ono Sullivan from the Cork Business Association was tweeting about this early this morning and Cork Bio has a story. Two landmark buildings look set for big change. The former Savoy Theatre demolition work has started inside there. But the old Rocher Stores building, or more recently known as Debitums, that is going on sale. The Roach family who sold all their businesses but not their properties to Debitums in 2006, have now put the properties on the market. The asking price, they put the store on the market in 2017, and the asking price, this according to Corpio, the asking price then was around 70 million. But it's it was a, that's a fantastic building, and it'd be wonderful to see it back open as a business again. But Debenhams at Patrick Street, or Roach's Doors, as it might have been years ago, that is going on the market. That building is going on the market 0818 96 96 96. Great news. I am thrilled to hear this. Uh, there's a gig on Thursday night in Rochestown Park. It's a fundraising gig for my old friend Kieran Kramer. And we mentioned this on the show a few weeks back when they were putting the details together. And there's a great lineup, super lineup. It's a fundraiser for one of our finest, one of our finest entertainers uh, in Cork. Uh, I, that is sold out. The Rochester Park Hotel, Thursday night, completely sold out. That is wonderful news, and I am delighted for Kieran, and I am delighted for everybody who put that together. Dan Noonan, our mutual friend, mentioned this to me back as early as February, mid-February, and it is sold out. That's a fabulous, fabulous news. 0818 96 96 96. Now, we're into the third week of the trial of Karen Harrington who is accused of the murder in the summer, July of 2019. She's accused of the murder of two-year-old Santina Cawley at a flat on Boreen Manor Road. And she denies the murder. She's pleading not guilty. The trial expected to take up to uh, four weeks and uh, significant evidence yesterday in the court. And I've been speaking about it with uh, Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent. So Ralph, thanks for being with us once again and we would open our conversation by reminding listeners that what we heard in court yesterday 
was very, very upsetting. And all I was thinking, reading the, the court copy, Ralph, was that poor, poor child. We heard from uh, assistant pathologist Dr. Bolster. Yeah, very much so, PJ. Um, the evidence that was given was by assistant state pathologist uh, Dr. Margaret Bolster uh, before the Central Criminal Court. Um, of course, Karen Harrington denies the murder of Santina Cawley before uh, Mr. Justice Michael McGrath and a jury of 11 men and women. Again, to stress, if there's anybody who's any bit squeamish or can be upset, maybe now is the time to make a cup of tea because the evidence was, was quite hard-hitting yesterday. Now, Dr. Bolster told us that she performed a post-mortem examination on Santina uh, back in July 2019, just a couple of hours after her body was found at Elderwood. Uh, and Dr. Bolster was saying she had conducted over 16,000 post-mortem -exa examinations over the course of her career. And in summary, what she said was that Santina had died from blunt force trauma, um, which had inflicted a, a traumatic brain injury, a severe spinal cord injury, as well as as well as polytrauma, and polytrauma is basically multiple traumas mm. um, to other parts of her body. Now, the earlier part of the trial had heard from Gardy that, in summary, they were told from the post mortem examination that Santina was found to have forty nine separate external injuries and four internal injuries, and it was the nature of those injuries uh, that Dr. Bolster went through in quite detail yesterday. Now, in essence, the major injury was a complex fracture to Santina's skull. Now, that fracture extended from the um, the top of her forehead, essentially right to the back of her head, and then went in different directions. Now, such was the nature of the fracture that there was a 10 centimeter um, portion of skull bone had been displaced. Now, there was a traumatic brain injury, and Dr. Bolser said that the nature of that traumatic brain injury was such that Santina would have gone into a very deep coma almost immediately. Um, there was also a severe spinal cord injury where there was bleeding both within and around the spinal cord. Um, if you come down a little bit further, there was a fracture to uh, Santina's uh, humerus, a right upper arm, and there was a fracture to her femur. Um, there was also a fracture to several ribs. Now, the fractures to the humerus and to the femur were such that there was fragmentation. In other words, the bone had almost shattered um, around the joint area. Uh, there was bruises essentially on every single part of her body. Some of them were much bigger than others. And in summary, Dr. Bolster said that it was her belief that Santina had been struck against something rather than struck with something. And the force of that um, contact or blow, if you like, was such that there was a, a major movement in her brain and spinal cord. The spinal cord was stretched, the brain was was was, was obviously turned, and that's what inflicted uh, the damage. The damage was, was such that it, it, was, it was unrecoverable. In cross-examination with uh, Brendan Grehan, the yeah. senior counsel for the defence, um, it was put to her that, you know, did she believe that this could have been consistent with an accidental fall? Yeah. And essentially, Dr. Bolster said, you know, it was non-accidental. She absolutely believed that it was non-accidental, that this was not something that would have been sustained from a simple fall as part of the rough and tumble of child play. That poor, poor little girl. We also heard from uh, account of some interviews with Karen Harrington yesterday. Yeah. 
Yes. Now, Karen Harrington gave a number of interviews to Gardaí in July 2019. Now, the first of those interviews was given on July the 5th, which was the day that Santina was found. That interview was entirely voluntary and it was given at the Bridewell Garda station. But there were a number of other interviews which were, which were given when um, Karen Harrington was arrested. Now, she was arrested at an address in Blackrock on July the 8th. And those interviews took place over July the 8th and July the 9th at Gronabraher Garda station. Now, last week we heard details of the first four of those interviews. The fifth interview was dealt with yesterday, and it was certainly the most um, fascinating, if you can use that word, yeah. to, to listen to, because it was really put to Karen Harrington. How did this defenseless child suffer the injuries that she did? And it was very emotional to listen to it because Karen Harrington was insisting that she would never harm a child. She was a very caring person. She loved children. She did not murder Santina. She could not remember the circumstances in which Santina was injured. And um, there was a very powerful point in the interview when um, Karen Harrington was insisting that she did not murder um, Santina Cawley but that when it was put to her that the Gardaí only wanted the truth and the Gardaí were following where the evidence leads them and Karen Harrington essentially said to Gardaí look she, she acknowledged that the evidence was making out that it was pointing towards her and um, but she was adamant she did not do this she could not remember what had happened and she couldn't explain um, the circumstances in which in which Santina was injured Yeah, Are we close now to the end of the prosecution evidence Ralph? I, I would say we are, PJ. Now, I don't know exactly when it's going to finish, but certainly we've had the vast majority of the major witnesses for the prosecution. Um, we're expecting further um, interviews to be dealt with today, and then we will know probably by Wednesday the, 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 the status in terms of timing of the prosecution case. And it was said that this trial was going to last for four, possibly five weeks. I would say we're looking at it at this stage that it will certainly finish within the four weeks. All right, Ralph, thanks as always for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, PJ. Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent speaking to me before we came on air this morning about the latest developments in the trial of Karen Harrington. Very, very upsetting testimony yesterday by the Assistant State Pathologist, Dr. Bolster. Uh, there is a national counselling service for those who experienced uh, childhood trauma. They're open Wednesday to Sunday, 6 till 10. And... That's at 1-800-477-477. Or they're available in Cork and Kerry at 1-800-234-116. 1-800-234-116. You can talk to Samaritans at 116-123. Or indeed, you can contact your doctor if you need help with any... If, if, if anything is triggered by the content of that last interview. The families of Onakura Centre residents are continuing their campaign. They're organising another public meeting in Middleton Park Hotel for Monday, 23rd May at 7.30. The focus, as always, will be the closure, or the proposed closure of the centre, its impact on residents and families and many others who require respite and long-stay placement, but also focusing on accountability for the HSE spending on several mental health facilities in Cork. And as you know, we've been following this story since last summer now. The latest developments in the last few days was that the Oireachtas Committee wrote again to the Minister for Mental Health, Mary Butler, uh, stressing uh, its, its belief that the closure should be reversed. 
and picking holes in the argument the HSE makes for closing it, picking holes the width of Patrick Street, if you don't mind me saying, in the argument the HSE makes for closing it, only to be told by Disabilities Minister, or bigger pardon, Mental Health Minister Mary Butler, only to be told by Mental Health Minister Mary Butler, that's that, I'm done, we will communicate no more. Thanks. Pretty much. Yeah, 0818 Sheila, um, this is an interesting one. Civic Community Centres in Cork County, they say, this came in on Facebook. Can anyone add anything to this? I know if I go to the dump, <laughs> everyone knows when you're talking about the dump. If I go out to the dump, uh, you know, I have a bit of timber, it goes into a separate skip of its own. Uh, I, you're right, Sheila, it doesn't go into recycling. It goes into a separate, they have a number of skips. You want a degree in waste management sometimes to understand where everything goes. But if you have timber, it goes into one particular skip. But Sheila is wondering, why is timber deemed to be not recyclable? Why is it not being recycled? I'm not sure that it isn't, Sheila. But yeah, that's worth trying to find out. It, you do when you go into the, with the, a car load or a truck load into the civic community site down there. You know yourself when you go down, there's eight or nine or maybe ten different skips, one for metal, one for heavy domestic waste, one for the, the chute where the bag is to go down. There's green waste. There's, and there's timber. One or two skips purely for timber. Sheila's wondering why you can't drive over and recycle that timber for the two quid you do to take the cardboard and the glass bottles and stuff. It's a good question. I wonder is there anything behind it. I know, I know they listen out there. I know Finbar, uh, the man with the peak cap, and his colleagues listen to us outside in the little hut in the, the dump. Um, and we were only walking together for a Sunday for a walk with the dogs. Um, and the teddy bears are just with the sunshine now and the the dry weather that we've had. The teddy bears are just looking gorgeous. Just looking. They've even got their little sign up. Uh, teddy bear walk now. It's become a thing, the teddy bears at the dump. But that's an interesting question from Sheila. What happens to the timber that they take in? And why in particular is timber not being dealt with as recyclable? Good question. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, Michael got on to us. Remember I read out Sheila's message uh, wondering why at the dump and the civic community centres around the county, if you bring a bunch of timber down, they don't take it as recycling and she's wondering surely wood is ultimately one of the most recyclable things and she was wondering why that isn't done and Michael thanks for this Michael uh, the explanation uh, makes a fair bit of sense to me anyway um, he said where's that gone that comment has gone off my screen yes there it is it says the reason why timber can't be recycled is because it's considered a building material and a lot of it has been treated or laminated or painted or whatever. And all the substances used for those particular treatments may not be recyclable or may indeed render the timber to be non-recyclable. Thanks for that, Michael. Thank you. That explains it. It actually explains it to me, too. 
because I used to wonder that as well. Much appreciated. 0818 96 96 96 on train stations and that upgrade that Danny McConnell was on about earlier on and you heard him there again in the news at 10 o'clock. Kilbarry should have a station, says Tom Ryan. Blarney, Rathduff should have stations. Grenna is very close to Rathduff. They closed those back in the late 70s. Another call. Oh, this is one of my favourite bugbears. Surely there's room to reopen the Cork Yall Railway now with all the housing development down there and the moves to staycation. Uh, listen, you are preaching to the choir here. The, the, the idea that we couldn't reopen the Yall Railway and the excuses given were just pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. And now we've got a greenway down there, which is a lovely idea. I'm not begrudging anybody their greenway or their cycleway. But could we not have had a railway, you know, down to y'all like we used to have when we thought about things and the increasing population in y'all and the businesses in y'all. I was only down in y'all, St. Patrick's Day places flying. We'd be lovely to get a train down there. Great idea, but... We've kind of had that one closed off to us. A bit like, did Eamon Ryan say, or am I imagining this? I think he did. Did Eamon Ryan say a few years ago that it would be unfeasible to even look at bringing back the West Cork Railway? There's another thing they should never have shut down. But don't, don't, don't start me on the West Cork Railway. Do not start me on that because I'll be still here at 5 to 12 giving out. We talk about public transport and the need for more of it. We had brilliant public transport around this county back in my, my, my grandfather's time. But we ripped it up and we closed it down. 0818 96 96 96. We have talked on this programme many times over the last few months about the shortage of HRT medicines. And we've talked to people about how it affects them if they can't get their medicine. We've tried to look at what the cause is. You know, it was kind of a bland explanation at the, at the start. Oh, that's only Brexit. That's Brexit causing that. It's not Brexit causing it. Um, although there are supply chain issues and there are other economic issues. But there is a shortage, a chronic shortage. A shortage that's causing a lot of pain and a lot of discomfort and a lot of suffering for a lot of women. And the fabulous pharmacist, Laura Dowling, has been looking into this and exploring the various reasons why the shortage is out there and ongoing and almost, I would suggest, Laura, almost being tolerated in high places. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. <laughs> that was, you great, that was a great intro. Everything was exact. <laughs> almost being tolerated in high places. Yeah. No, it is. It's 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 unfortunate and, and it's very much a worry. But 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 like you said, it it's very hard to get an answer as to why it is happening. But and and the reason the reason is is because there are there are many reasons why it's happening, and it's kind of they've all come together to cumulate in this w- one big car crash of of HRT shortage. And I have a number of of of, of reasons to, to explain to you. They, they they probably aren't exhaustive, but one being the raw materials for HRT are sourced in Asia. And raw materials for the gel technology and the patch technology are very different to raw materials for tablet technology. So you may have the glue in one in one manufacturing plant and, and then the estrogen in another. And then if there is a problem with the supply issues from any one of those 
for any one of those components, then that has a knock-on effect on the, on the worldwide supply. So I think that it's important for people to realise that. And then to also realise that the gel and patch technology is very different and it's much more costly than tablet technology. So it needs to be commercially viable for a pharma company to come into a country to, to have their product licensed within a country. And that that um, licensing route is it's it's lengthy, which it should be because there's rules and regulations around it and laws, and also costly. So, for a low population base such as Ireland, mm. it may not be commercially viable if the company deem that they're not getting reimbursed what what they feel necessary to to make it commercially viable for them. So, so that's in and of itself an issue because there are um, only two patches that pharmacists can actually give to a lady or and doctors can prescribe for a lady um who is who who needs hrt there's only two brands available and and, and that means then that there's very little competition so if, and if those brands go short then we, we have this issue so we, we need more variety uh, in the uk they have Laura, more variety sorry, yeah yeah just clarify that one for me you said there's only two brands available that the pharmacist can issue that doesn't mean there's only two brands available end of story no no, it doesn't. There's more brands available in the UK. They obviously they have a mass, a larger population than we do. So it's probably more commercially viable for a pharma company to get the licensing into that country as well. So while, while we can order in unlicensed products, if 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 we are short the, the actual products that's licensed in Ireland, it's more costly. It's like prohibitively expensive in some instances. And also it's not available on the drug schemes. So it, it's not an answer really. So for the pharma companies to come into Ireland, it needs to be commercially viable for them but but then even even for instance the 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 hrt estrogel it there was some in the country a a number of weeks ago but it came in from britain as a result uh, it needed to be rewrapped because britain is considered a third country so that in in and of itself takes time as well and and, until it was sent out to to the pharmacy so it isn't just a case of um you know if something comes in from britain it can be just sent back out because britain is now considered a third country that that delays the process too and then also that gel is made in france as as well as another country Belgium, but it's made in France for which there's very strict working conditions and working hours. So they can't just ramp up supply because demand has increased. Because we, we need to remember that demand really, it has increased exponentially over the last couple of years because women are being, being made much, much more, more aware of the things that they can take for menopause to help them with their symptoms. So, you know, even considering that, you know, a pharma company may have to move a plant to another country in order to kind of be able to ramp up supply, that takes time and effort as well. So, there's there's lots of reasons and as I said they've they've cumulated in this kind of car crash but what we really need to see going forward is we need a task force that's there that will actually ensure the continued and uninterrupted supply of HRT going forward and we need that task force now. You mentioned Asia uh, and you mentioned France but Laura you don't need me to tell you every major pharmaceutical company on the planet has either a base or an outlet within 20 minutes drive of where I'm sitting. We're not making our own even. Well, you see, that's the thing. It needs to be commercially viable for the pharma company. And, and as, a, as a lowly community pharmacist, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not privy to, to deals that are made w- within the pharma industry. But what I will say is that there needs to be something done so yeah. this doesn't happen again, regardless of where the, the HRT comes from, this, I think. This is good old-fashioned capitalism, isn't it? 
Well, <laughs> you could say that, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I certainly, I see it in the pharmacy and I know my, my GP friends and colleagues see it as well, that women are desperate for the, these drugs. And, and I think it's really important though as well, we're hearing all the negatives about menopause and we're hearing that, you know, of, of all the symptoms that people can experience. But I don't want women out there to be scared about approaching menopause because it's actually only about up to 20% of ladies that actually need HRT. Many mm. women get through the menopause well without symptoms or with mild symptoms that they can control with by themselves or with alternative therapies, et cetera, and with, you know, loving friends and family. Uh, but I think that it's really important to remember that the women that do need the HRT, they really need the HRT. And it's not just m- women of a certain age. These can be younger women that have gone through cancer that, you know, are in chemical or surgical menopause mm-hmm. and they also need their drugs. So mm-hmm. not only have they gone through cancer and all the trauma that goes with that, then they suddenly can't access the medicines that are actually keeping them, you know, going from day to day. So it's just, it's important to look at the overall picture, I think. So who would or should sit on this task force that you think about? Well, I think definitely some people from the government, I think there should be doctors on there, there should definitely be pharmacists on there, and they sh- we, sh- we should all be coming together to give ideas and to to actually try and make sure that this doesn't happen again and that the continued supply will will go on forever because you must remember that I you know I've seen this happen this isn't the first time that there has been a HRT shortage it's happened a few times over the last few years but you know and and drugs admittedly they come in and out of supply you know and there are shortages here and there and but generally we can cope with them because for instance if if a cholesterol tablet goes out of supply there's generally another brand that can be that can supply that with the same milligram strength and with, with no issue and or and if that brand is exhausted then another one there's several brands available to mm. us to pick from but with the gels and the patches because of the expensive technology and because of the lack of competition there isn't that there mm. isn't you know the the other the alternative so it, therein lies the problem so. isn't it sometimes also a case laura that once a woman gets a particular combination of therapies right changing any one of those can throw her off kilter quickly <clears throat> absolutely so it, it can generally take a woman months if not a couple of years of experiencing symptoms before she actually decides to go and get help with it and before she decides to go on the drugs and even at that point, it can take a number of months for her to reach her desired threshold of symptom control. Mm. And once that happens, her life can change remarkably and she can get through the day. If it's been a case that the symptoms have, so been, de- have been so debilitating that she hasn't been able to get through the day. So you are absolutely correct. Sometimes a particular gel or a particular patch will work because of the way it's delivered and the you know the rate that it's delivered into the body via the skin just works optimally for her and the and the dosage as well like we have been telling ladies to cut patches in half so if there's if they're supposed to be on 50 milligrams mm. of of estrogen to cut the 100 milligrams in half and that is not ideal you know because they are made specifically for 100 milligram mm-hmm. 100 milligrams to, to micrograms to be delivered so it's just not ideal if the lady is then cutting it in half she may not not get the exact amount so so you're absolutely correct there once she reaches the desired effect 
on the tablets that she's on, it's really, you know, it, it can be quite debilitating for her to, to even change that in any kind of way. It, it's quite, we're quite guinea pigs for ourselves yeah. when we are try, trying to titrate our, 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 um, our HRT. And that's because of the nature of it. It's hormone-based, hormones yeah. fluctuate. Yeah. And, you know, so it's difficult. It's a very tricky one. And, and, and Laura, how far ahead does the pharmaceutical industry, as in the pharmacists of the country, how far ahead do they stock up or how far ahead is you as a community pharmacist? Is it possible for you to stock up? At the minute with HRT, it's it's month to month. We, we're on allocation of many of the products now. So Rationing, we would get a certain basically. supply in. Rash, absolutely, yeah. And and un, unfortunately then it means that if, if, a, if a pharmacy has not been doing a lot of HRT, that they are even further down the pecking order in terms of trying to be able to get get the products in. So a pharmacy like the the one that I'm in, I would have a large menopausal lady base because it's a special area of interest to me and I do lots of work on my Instagram with it um, and I'd have loads of women message me. So I, and I kind of, you know, I, I know about the supply issues and that. So I would have been able to order in excess if I needed to, but now I can't. I'm on allocation. I only get a certain oh. amount, and once they're exhausted, they're exhausted. You know, yeah. so it's month to month, really. Yeah. Uh, we're lucky if it's month to month. It could be week to week, actually. Um, in some instances, yeah, yeah. And because of the reasons that you've explained to me earlier, someone is on the phone saying that their pharmacist has said that there's a shortage developing in stocks of paracetamol up and down the country. And I also read a piece and heard a piece on British radio and we're coming we're coming into the end of spring, start of summer, hay fever hell. And there's a shortage of some of the hay fever medicine we're used to. Yeah, I have I have heard and, and witnessed about the, the paracetamol. Paracetamol has been an issue for a while now. Um coming in and out we, we've kind of managed it thus far I'm mm. I'm not sure you know where it's going to go with it certainly the OTC packs are, are available but yeah, the, the the larger the larger dispensary packs I think are that they're called into question and the sure. OTC packs by, by default will follow so yeah it, it's about managing and forecasting these events and it's like when COVID first came on that the scene a lot of a lot of flu remedies, a lot of paracetamol went short because people were stocking up. So I yeah. think it's important that people realise like if if you just buy for what you need yeah. for for the time that you need it, and you don't buy in bulk, then you're leaving you're, you're leaving stock for other people. Paracetamol is as cheap as, as well. chips, like you know that that's paracetamol is as cheap as chips. Yeah, I'm not quite sure the reason for for its shortage mm. um, at the minute. I don't think I've been informed about that okay. or reliably informed just yet. But sure. like like but with the HRT, you probably yeah. need to go a bit of digging. Oh yeah, sure. no, absolutely. Sure. I'm on a number of working groups with pharmacists, so we're we're all talking about it. And in relation to the hay fever one, I mean, I know myself. I, I get a bout of hay fever towards the end of spring, start of summer, and I take a thing. It doesn't matter. It's no the counter medicine for it. Is there a shortage of those? There, there could be. I, I haven't been made aware of it of yet, but there could be. And certainly, if it starts in England, things that go short in England tend to filter over here. So, yeah. um, there well could be. But for for the moment, I, okay. I'm, I'm not aware of it. We we'll follow it and see where it goes. Laura, thank you very much for being with us. Uh, to just look into Laura Dowling, the fabulous pharmacist on Instagram, looking into the reasons why there's a, a shortage of HRT. It's down to plain old economics and, and commercial viability of a business and product approval being very slow and good old-fashioned capitalism actually is what seems to be driving it. Well, at this, yeah, the, part, the, the hay fever medicine one I heard about on British radio the last couple of days 
Um, whatever about paracetamol, you never know. Like, I mean, what the raw? I don't know what the raw materials are. I don't make these things at all. But if something as cheap as chips as paracetamol is running into short supply, you'd be looking at the raw material, wouldn't you? I don't know. Maybe it's in India. India, in you wouldn't realise until you go reading about it. You wouldn't realise the size of the pharmaceutical industry in India. It's enormous. They have, as we found out during COVID, they have the biggest capacity on the planet to make vaccines. India. And with regard to raw materials for drugs, for various drugs that we take and buy over the counter, raw materials and active, they call active molecules, India's got a massive, massive business in that. 0818-969696. There is, of course, the argument that people make that if this was a men's medicine, like Viagra, for example, which is now over the counter, uh, there wouldn't be a shortage. And whether that comes into the argument, I do not know. Some people think it does. Back on e-scooters. I'm delighted to hear you address the issue of e-scooters being used on main roads. As observed, them going through red lights crossing in front of people, vehicles going straight on. And why, oh why, oh why are they not made to use cycle lanes? Maybe it's time to charge them road tax as they're being used as vehicles on the main road. I've even seen them using mobile phones while they're on the scooters. It's crazy out there, says D. Yeah, you're not wrong, D. Listen, that's the most accurate WhatsApp message of the day. Paracetamol isn't cheap here. It's about a third of the price in the UK. You're not wrong. Uh, I was on holidays in the north the last two summers, um, as I told you. And even if going into Tesco, even into Tesco, and you buy the little packet of paracetamol, the brand name paracetamol off the counter in, pers- in, in Tesco, whatever, could cost you, what, €2, Euro, two twenty, one sixty, depending on the brand. You'd get- if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. At 12 t- tablets of paracetamol in a Tesco in 
the North for 50 pence sterling. I'm not joking you. 50 pence sterling for a small packet of paracetamol in a Tesco in the North, which is what, about 70 cents? 0818 96 96 96. Pat says, my wife had a hysterectomy at about 38. They took out her ovaries unknowns to her as she thought that was part of the process and her English wasn't great. They put her on HRT. She was a different woman overnight, depressed and angry. They changed her HRT every few weeks, but to no avail, says Pat. Dee is listening in Spain. Buenos, Dee. I am on HRT. Went to the pharmacy here, see if I could get it. No problem. Even asked, how many do you want? Both the patches with the Estradot 75 and the Utrogestan with no prescription. Yep. I know someone who's just back from Lanzarote and literally brought back a gear bag full to stock themselves up for the next six months. So the rules applying here are very, very different. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96FM. <laughs> Someone else saying there that to buying stuff in the north, cheaper, like the paracetamol being a third of the price here and you're not wrong. Someone else just saying PJ, if you want to get a box of sulpidine in the north, you just go in and ask. And and they might tell you, you know, not to take it more than a couple of days because it can be addictive and you go away about your business. Down here, you'd be easier to get a line of cocaine. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, Joe, you bought a jacket. And, yeah, and what right, happened? Good morning. Good morning, my friend. What happened? You bought a jacket. Well, I went into the store. I won't say which store now. And I saw this beautiful jacket as I thought, right? And I bought it. And I was having a coffee with my beautiful husband afterwards, and he was saying, Joe, I don't think that suits suit you, you know what I mean? I don't think it's great. And if he didn't like it on me, I really didn't want to get it. So I went back, said to the girl, no, no, look, I want to change this. Uh, my husband doesn't really like it on me. And said, well, it is a bit young for you. Right. Oh, my God. My legs nearly went for me at the counter. Describe the jacket it, you it, made, Dave. It was kind of lime, yellow, beige, kind of... Um, tart me looking. I thought it would be lovely now sitting in a beer guard with a pair of shorts to keep me nice and warm. A cool summer jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, from, you might be seen from space, but it would be nice. Yeah, yeah. no, but like, um, <laughs> it was a bit, well, PJ, my legs nearly went for me when she said it. I couldn't believe it. Now the girl was right, and the shoppers, particularly in was probably a young store, you know what I mean? Because I was thinking of buying a pair of skinnies as well with the tear in them. You know the ones with the tear oh, the in ones, them? Yeah, 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 yeah. but they won't get away with it now at 62. <laughs> but I came out of it thinking, oh my God, Joe, you are 62 years of age. Maybe you need to start dressing more appropriately. I don't know, though. And what is appropriately? You know what I mean? A, a, a garment is a garment, and if you mm. like the colours, like the fish... But then like, I don't want to be like a um, mutton dressed up as lamb or what do they call it? Yeah. I get it if, if Darren isn't keen, right? Because if I brought something home and the Queen Bee says, get rid of it, you know, they tend to know us better than exactly, anybody else. Yeah. But and the Darren's idea, got great taste, obviously, you know what yeah. I mean? So that's, you know... But the idea, that, that, the, the idea that, oh, that's too young for you, I, I, that drives me mad. Absolutely, yeah. And like... The poor girl got such a fright at my reaction. What did you, what did my, you say? What did you say? 
First of all, I threw myself on the counter. Can you imagine me? I hiked up the drama, then made it worse. I said, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. You just said a stage of my life. You've just said that to the wrong person. I said, what? oh no, no, that's in your own. You did, Joe, you, 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 did, you didn't ham it up, did you? Oh, not at all. You know me, no drama at all. No, not at all. But, but I did come out like deflated, thinking, oh, for fuck's sake, you know what I mean? I know I'm 62, but just after reminding me again, you know. You, you might be 62, my friend, but you carry it very well. Do you know oh, what I mean? I do carry it very well, and it's costing me a fortune to, <laughs> to, to be looking like this. This doesn't come cheap, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but it was so funny because her face and the crack inside the shop then was just hilarious because, I, as I say, I handed up. Um, I think she when she well, I said when she said us, she realised. I said, "Oh my God, this fellow's such a drama queen now." <laughs> and then, um, but I'm um, not. It was fun. But you know, it's like shorts. Would you wear shorts all the tomorrow? time? In fact, I yeah. I broke them out at the weekend. I wore them yesterday. Poxed the weather then yesterday. So I'm back Poxed in the, the weather. Yeah, <laughs> I'm back in the jeans again. But it's only a matter of I'd say days before oh, the shorts yeah, will in, go on. I'm in and, since April. The shorts will go on and won't come off till the end of September. Yeah. That's me. And, and I'm in them since April and I wear them in the salon. Like, yeah. I wear shorts at work now from April to the end of September. Good for you. And there's yeah. all this notion that men shouldn't wear shorts. Men, men, of, men of a certain age. I don't wear. get it at all, except yes, for when the women, like, you know, put their hand up my shorts. That's the only thing that upsets me. Joel, had... it's a family radio show, please. We have, we had that conversation before. I told you about the pair of shorts I had on, and the one comes along, she puts her hand up, so, oh, there's a waste of a man, and she kind of gave me a grab, you know? And anyway, that's another story. It is another story. But no, I'm, I am in, I am in a big shorts wearer. I, I pop into me. As I said, I start experimenting with the shorts. It could be as late as, as, as early as April if the weather's nice. Yeah, but you need a bit of colour on the legs, Andy. Yeah, that's only. I don't know that you do. White legs aren't great, and you know when the hair then is kind of past. Two, but Joe, two, two afternoons out in the sun. Like I was out on Saturday afternoon, met a friend of mine. We were watching the the monster match inside in the, the courtyard there, and it was blazing sunshine. I had shorts on me. My legs were burnt, so I'm sorted Absolutely, now. Absolutely, yeah, I'm yeah. We do Tramore Valley. We do Tramore Valley, and. My God, after an hour in Tremor Valley, they have a grand colour. People actually even say to me, have you been away already? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they do say that our, our men's legs aren't, aren't particularly attractive to look at. Who Good, can... thick, solid legs are lovely. Thick, They're a bit exactly. now. And, you know, when some people have hair done patches and it's a bit fluffy and a bit... See, that's not great, you know what I mean? Yeah. But with good, solid legs with nice... Good dark hairy legs. You do see some fellas, and it looks as if their mother tried to knit their legs. That that's Ab- you know they should absolutely. probably shave them. Or you know another thing, Peter. You know when you buy something a bit too small for you, and you're tight, and you say I'll fish into that now in another month. <laughs> you know you get a size medium, but you really need a large size. Yeah. Say, no, I'll get that now, and and you never fish into it. No, God, you don't. Six, six no. years afterwards. Yeah, no, no. There's a there's a you get a disapproving look. When you wear shorts, I think sometimes, and I think I, I, I just uh, don't care. And would you wear skinnies? Uh, no, skinny jeans with a tear in them. Oh God, no! I could, I don't understand this attraction for tears. Like, what? <laughs> I don't understand it at all. Oh, well, it's, we had them as teenagers. That's because there was a hole in the trousers. There you I go. Didn't realize at the time it was fashionable. There you go. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't know. No, no, I don't wear. I don't wear. I don't wear skinnies. No, I don't. God, no. I suppose there's certain things now, PJ, you'll get away with, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it is, you know, there is certain clothes, I suppose, you can't wear in your 60s. You know, I think I'll just get a smooth... Well, I'm nowhere near them. I'm not in my 60s yet. Now, let's get this one off the table here. <laughs> no, 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 I suppose you're not. You're not so often, do I Stop say. it. Behave yourself. <laughs> Behave yourself. But, you know, I, the, I, I think that the... I mean, look, the, the girl behind the counter was mortified, but the, the, the question is, like, is there a time when men or women... Our women of a certain age should stop wearing certain types of clothes. I don't know if, if something fits you and suits you yourself. It depends on the individual. If I'm doing someone's hair now and they want a spiky, short haircut and they're in the 70s and it suits the face, I'd say, I might say, look, I have another suggestion or this might be nicer on you or something like that, you know. I would suggest something else maybe, but it's up to the individual. I felt comfortable and jacket heart was nice in me, but then same time, I don't want to be sitting in Barry's beer garden trying to look like a teenager at 60 years race and look at your man over there you know what I mean and the thing about it is I know just like just like the Queen Bee Darren is hardly ever wrong Darren is hardly ever wrong exactly when it comes to fashion and, and style and picking out a good husband he's very very <laughs> he got that one right Joe thanks a million Joe Bourne men in shorts I as I said I'm, it's, it's a transition period now in the middle of May Right, and I reckon that by Radiothon, I will be in shorts full time until probably the end of September, uh, middle to end of September, weather weather permitting, as they say. Um, but I would hate to think that someone would say to me in shop, "You shouldn't wear that short now, Peter. You're, that's that's too young for you." What do you mean, young for me? What do you mean, young for me? Or for a woman? What do you mean, young? Do you know why should you have to change? What you wear because of your age. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Laura was back on the pharmacist and she said there is a bit of a problem with periton, uh, which is the active ingredient. Well, periton is a brand of hay fever tablet, but the active ingredient that's in periton is in a number of other tablets. But in generally, uh, supplies are okay at the moment for most products. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at corkcitymarathon.ie. Access all areas on Corks ninety six FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Corks Entertainment. Frankenstein: How to Make a Monster is a powerful and poetic show pushing the energy of the human voice to its expressive musical and rhythmic limits. Six performers with six mic. Microphones take apart Mary Shelley's original and reimagine a world of modern monsters taking place at the Everyman Theatre from June 17th. Access all areas. Rebecca O'Connor returns to Cork Opera House on May 6th with her show-stopping band and dancers to once again deliver her flawless renditions of Tina Turner's greatest hits. Tickets are now on sale from CorkOperaHouse.ie. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, or exhibition, or any live streaming events by emailing us on AAA at 96. 6fm.ie Access all areas Your guide to nightlife on the side On Cork's 96FM Just back from Scotland I got hay fever tablets A pack of 14 tablets 60 pence Same ingredients I pay 111 or more here For them Yeah Or one point 
Did you say 11 euro? It doesn't say. A euro or more for them here. Right, okay, thanks. Yeah, the stuff is much, much, much cheaper in the UK, particularly the -the over-the-counter stuff, and particularly, again, the stuff that you buy in a supermarket like Tesco's. Uh, it's, it's, It's pence compared to here. 0818 96 96 96. Miss Zuflora, hello there. Uh, she said I'd be paid to cover my legs if I wore shorts. Don't say that. Let them out there. Get the legs out. Show the world some skin. PJ, I saw Joe in his shorts last week. Jay's, he's a fine pair of legs. He has, in fairness. Joe has a grand pair of legs. Legs that could hold up an Elizabethan table have Joe. In fairness. Uh, Mags, whenever you want to yourself, what you wear is nobody's business but your own. As for the shorts, I put them on in April and they don't come off till October. Obviously not the same pair. And Kevin learned a long time ago to let the person who has to be seen with me pick it. It makes life a bit easier. It does. Thanks, Kev. 0818969696. This is weaning week running until the 11th, which is tomorrow. And I want to focus on it for a few minutes with Alwyn Moran from Cognikids. Weaning Alwyn, you know, when I, my, my kids were small, we didn't know the word weaning at all. It was just, when are they going to start on solids? Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's supposed to be the most natural of transitions, but it can be difficult, can it? Oh, it can indeed, yeah. And actually, I love to call it kind of learning to eat rather than starting solids or weaning um, because really that's exactly what they are doing. They're, it's a skill that they have to learn. Um, but it can be fraught with an awful lot of anxiety, particularly for first-time parents because, you know, it is it is scary because it comes along with gagging, which a lot of people think is the same as choking um, but it isn't. It's a natural kind of ability to be able to clear something from their uh, mouth or just the top of their uh, throat there that they don't really like or, you know, kind of they want it out. Um, so gagging is very, uh, I suppose, kind of um, like I was saying, natural. Um, but also then you've got the worry of the food allergies and potential allergens and then moving just from, well, first of all, how do we start it? Because there's an awful lot, there's a huge move to this baby led weaning um, and that can be very confusing. What's that? Yeah, so that that can actually be very confusing because, you know, um, certainly, let's say in my day, I have a 15 and 17 year old and like weaning or starting salads was introducing um, uh, like purees or the baby rice or things like that. And just, I suppose, as um, technology has moved on and has allowed us to do different research into finding out what's the best way and, you know, the right things to start with and all of that sort of stuff. Um, we've had a, a move to baby led weaning, which is where the baby is actually in kind of control, I suppose, of what they put into their own mouths, essentially. And that is really where you give little kind of um, fingers of carrot and allow them to eat it themselves or give them little uh, florets of uh, broccoli or, well, the ideal for the baby led weaning is, you know, the tender stem broccoli, which is kind of longer and thinner. Um, It's ideal to steam some of those and uh, give them uh, portions of that. And so that's really kind of where the food is put down in front of the little one and they can bring it to their mouth themselves rather than spoons being shoveled into their mouth. But then there's a lovely way, which is a combined version so because, again, parents then also worry about are they getting enough food? Um, 
And really, it's all about, you know, allowing those oral motor skills to develop so that they can actually eat. So by 12 months of age, they'll have significantly developed. They'll have their teeth and they'll be able to start to kind of um, munch properly their own foods. Mm -hmm. So um, a lovely combined way is doing puree and then pieces of the um, fruit or vegetables Uh, that uh, you're uh, giving them as well. Mushing puree, mushing up the veg and the spuds that you have with your your own dinner, starting with virtual liquid and thickening it up as you go along. That was the old way is that gone um there's a bit more of a science to it now (laughs) so yes um it i suppose in a way i mean like the idea it also like for parents is a bit of convenience too so you know i always love to say look if you're doing some veggies and you're steaming them for dinner do an extra few you know um kind of put them into the um, little kind of the fingers uh, of the carrot and the batons, as they say, um, or, you know, whatever vegetables you're you're doing and uh, then use them then the next day for your little one or give it to them at that dinner and let them be able to uh, use the hand food themselves. Yeah. And then as you progress then and you introduce kind of, um, so in terms of the, that's the baby led, but if you're talking about the puree, then you're trying to increase textures as well. So, you know, like you were saying, starting with the virtual liquid and thickening it up as you go. Um, that there is a, a little bit of a, a I suppose, kind of a, a fear around that as well about when do we introduce kind of meats or when do we introduce, you know, how how chunky can it be or um, that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, so I suppose that's the beauty of the baby led is where you're able to let them be able to spoon feed it into themselves yeah. eventually as they get a little bit older. Yeah. Um, like if they don't like or, it, if they don't like it, they'll spit it out. That was the old way. If they don't like it, they'll spit it out, or they'll plaster it down the wall. Do you know? Yeah, that's probably going to happen, even if they do like it. To be honest, because in, in my experience, you know, it's a very sensory thing. So lots of food ends up everywhere, and that's also maybe a, a, an Instagram myth that we should get rid of: is that actually weaning is not pristine and clean. Oh God, it is a messy oh kind God, of process. No. You know, let them enjoy it, allow them to be wearing it and, you know, let them feel the textures because it actually really is very sensory. Did you know, actually, that um, eating uses our eight sensory systems and uh, it's one of two activities that we do um, in our kind of world uh, that uses all eight sensory systems. Mm. So um, the other one is used to make babies (laughs) so but all eight sensory systems are used so it it really is a very sensory very tactile uh, experience Mm. so genuinely allow them to do that to explore it you know if they want to mush um you know kind of the carrot puree across the top of the um high chair table you know let them let them don't be worrying about having to let them off that's clean dirt that's clean dirt yeah. Cleaned exactly. You know, yeah, it's learning dirt. The old natural instinct of a, of a child as well, when they pass a certain age, everything goes into the mouth. You can trick them. Yeah. If if like yeah. nice bright colours of <laughs> well cooked bits of carrot or bits of broccoli, they'll put it into the mouth. Yeah. Well, nice. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, do you know, I, the, I suppose part of the thing is to visually, as you're saying there, is to make it interesting, but not, you know, again, going back to I've seen so many, you know, um, I suppose, uh, samples on Instagram where parents spend like 
it looks like hours creating like little pictures on uh, plates and giving it to them but it's all out of different types of food and stuff like that like I mean that's lovely but in the real world it's not something I mean it's great on Instagram I don't know there's not many parents that I would know or that would even be in my close circle that would have time to be able to craft all these beautiful things but like ideally for visual is not to overwhelm them with too much food on their uh, high chair table or on whatever weaning bowl or plate if you're using a bowl or a plate and you don't have to use a a bowl or a plate but it's really smaller bits so that they kind of feel like oh my gosh you know I can manage this as opposed to oh god like that's way too much like not even going to try that like that's not happening you know if you only put down one or two pieces they're definitely going to explore those and try them and you can put some more down after that rather than putting down 20 pieces or half a bag of carrot buttons and expecting them to be able to munch through all They'll of them. They'll be those, under the telly know? and everything. Yeah. Is, is They'll it, be everywhere. Is it a fair rule of thumb then that once it's safe and that you wa- you're watching for choking hazards, just let them yeah. learn it themselves? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, from, from day dot, let them let them off and let them explore. And, uh, you know, a lot of kids have an aversion to a spoon because um, I was just talking about this yesterday, because when you put the spoon in, uh, when you start weaning at around six months of age, they actually don't have the oral motor skills to be able to close their lips and make that vacuum, which is required to be able to suck food off a spoon, you know. And I don't know how many times you've seen kind of parents where they almost use their upper gums or their upper lip and they kind of rub the spoon off there to get the food off into the mouth. And that can actually cause an oral sensitivity or when they, you know, a bit of food goes around the bottom lips and then they scoop the, the food with the spoon and then shove it back into their mouth again. Um, that's really very overstimulating and it can really cause a huge aversion to spoons. So if you can preload a little spoon for them and leave it on the, the tray table and let them pick it up and put it into their mouth themselves, that actually really does set up um, spoon feeding for success as opposed to um, an oral sensitivity yeah. uh, in a way. So it's just, it's all about understanding, I suppose, where they are, where their oral motor skills yeah. are, and then allowing, working with that and allowing them to be in control. Can you imagine if you were out, you know, and you you dribbled some some soup or something and then somebody reached over from the other side of the table to scoop the soup off your chin and put it back into your mouth you know like that's when you think about it that way it's it's an <laughs> it's awful true. kind of thing that we do you know it's just <laughs> and I, I sincerely hope the days of here comes the plane yeah god yeah. almighty I mean even a child must realise what is this Aegis doing yeah, that can be that can be a bit of overkill. Um, the the whole, I suppose, rationale around that is trying to maintain their focus. But actually, if, if you you know if you have screens away, TV off, um, you know, kind of where they can actually just focus, and you engage them with conversation and your chat and you're talking about colours and, you know, not kind of going, oh my God, you're amazing, you've taken a spoonful. You know, literally just kind of go like, oh, this is so yummy and, you know, just engaging them that way as opposed to here comes the aeroplane. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, you know. and the, the aeroplane finds itself on the wall. I know. Yeah. Been, there, been there, done that, wiped down the walls. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> all win good uh, And bought a dog to, to use to clean up all the mess oh, on the floor. There's the trade secret. <laughs> there's the trade secret. And I take all the information that people need are, is on Cognikids. I'll win at Weaning Week coming to an end now tomorrow. But just that's that's precious part of a child's life. And you'll be wiping walls and you'll be sweeping floors and she's right. That is the time to get a puppy. Because the puppy will do so much of that work for you. 0818 96 96 96. Uh, Vaseline around the nose is great for hay fever. It is, Bernie. It is actually great for some particular kinds of, of hay fever. A few more there, Conan. Oh, yeah. Uh, what does PJ think about women wearing denim and shorts? I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of my life what to say. I'd be afraid of my life what to say. So I'll plead the fifth on that, if you don't mind. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, Radiothon underway. Thursday week. Thursday, two weeks. Two weeks Thursday. Radiothon underway. May 26th. Uh, raising funds for Cork Cancer Services. We need you to help us with that. As always, have a coffee break. We can do them again this year. So doing at home, doing at work. Fill a change, collect a box. Just get a bucket or a jam jar if you haven't got an actual box. And on the Friday, the 27th, wear your jersey. Doesn't matter who you support or what your jersey is from, be it for hurling, football, soccer, rugby, cricket, Formula One. I don't care. Just wear your jersey to work or to school and raise money for the Corks 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon. All the deets are on 96FM.ie. The fundraising pack and to be ready for it because it's coming back in full effect. Corks 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon. May 26th to 28th. Only on Corks 96FM. I had a statement sent to us from SIP2. Now, we didn't ask them for this, but they sent one just by way of information. And I'm grateful to Natasha Lenihan-Tracy, who's in their health division at Connolly Hall. They heard our item the other day about healthcare assistance, pay and pay grades. And just by way of helpful information, they sent us the rates of pay that SIPTU has negotiated on behalf of its members in that particular line of work. And there's a nine-point scale of pay. And healthcare assistance start on 14.53 per hour. And that rises over nine points in the scale to 18.72 per hour. It also includes travel time and mileage is also paid. They also get any anything that comes within the national wage agreement by way of an increase. They get that too. And the HSC is currently recruiting for those workers in Cork and Kerry. And uh, Natasha reminds me 
that SIP2 have fought and secured those terms and conditions and rates of pay. Thank you for that, Natasha Linehan Tracy from the Health Division at SIP2 in Connolly Hall. 0818 Everyone's kind of got their favourite restaurants that they go to on a regular basis. I reckon most of us probably have two or three, maybe four at a stretch. We certainly would have we'd have four, we'll say. Three, definitely three and, and probably four that we'd go to regularly. But supposing you go to a new place for the first time, you're checking out a new place you haven't been into before. Would you read the reviews? Would you go online and read reviews? Because I'm not too sure it's the wisest thing to do. Now, would you go to the Sunday Times or the Sunday Independent or whatever one of these has a Sunday magazine and read the review, the proper journalistically written review of a restaurant? Although I think some of those fellas are so far, whatever. Or would you go to TripAdvisor? And TripAdvisor, I'm sorry, lads, TripAdvisor is a crank's paradise. I mean, I've been on TripAdvisor to review a few things, particularly places where they were very kind to the Umfala. But TripAdvisor is a crank's paradise. You know, the soup is cold and you write a scorcher on TripAdvisor just to annoy people. Elk from Biasosta, how are you? I'm good, darling. I'm good. How are you? Good. You're trying a new restaurant. Would you read the reviews? Yeah. Um, I read reviews simply out of curiosity. So I do, uh, I read the examiner reviews and I read the independent reviews. I do like it and uh, um, I'm not choosing my restaurant based on that though. It depends how much I um, appreciate the writer. So for example, Joe McNamee who writes for the examiner, for example, Mm. he has... Um, I know him. I know what his taste is like. So I know when he writes that he actually really gives a real review of what he experienced. But the thing is, with these reviews, they are all well-known writers. So anybody in Cork, if Joe goes into any restaurant in Cork, they will recognize him and they will treat him completely different. Yeah. They, the kitchen will know that he's in, so they will make uh, take special care of his food, you know. So what his experience is might not the experience that you get, you yeah. know. So you have to be very careful about that. So... Um, to be honest, if I had a restaurant and I would see a food writer coming in, I would do exactly the same, you yeah. know, because you want to go to review, you know, you can't afford not to and so on. So from that, uh, these professional reviews are always been taken with a pinch of salt. There is a there is a London food writer who never re- reveals who she is. It's a female one and nobody knows her face. Really? So she, re- yeah, she really gets uh, her, uh, she used to write, I can't remember, was it the Times? But she never reveals who she is and she writes. So nobody knows when she comes in uh, uh, that she's actually a food writer. So her oh. reviews are actually different. So I actually, when I'm in London, I actually look her up and see what she has written. But it's it's one of the things here in Ireland is too small for this, you know. So we know every, everybody knows everybody, don't yeah. they? So so it's very hard to, 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 to find uh, a, a, an Irish food writer that is not well known to the restaurant industry um, and not getting the best yeah. uh, uh, food and, and service, you That's know. It's fascinating that, that, that this London reviewer that, that mm. I mean even I in this, her name now to be honest yeah even this in this modern world of pictures it's very hard and, to do yeah yeah wow that is very hard to do yeah 
That's mm-hmm. very hard to do. I admire her for that. I absolutely yeah. admire her for that. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, as well, is food order gets a lot of freebies. You know, they get invited to restaurants and so on. Oh, please come in and, and we give you a free three-course dinner yeah. and you can write something about us. Obviously, if you do this, so that's why I don't do reviews, because if you get free stuff, you are kind of obliged to write something nice. You know, you can't then write, oh, I had a really bad experience because... <laughs> you got something for free you know it's the uh, the idea is that you write something nice so when i get invited i always say look it's it's i don't do this you know it is just some of the things but coming now to a trip advisor as you said it's a crank's paradise and it absolutely is and when i read a review for example that says oh i've been here many times but tonight and then it gives a really skating one star review mm. But they never said something nice about the many times they were there before. Yeah. So that already shows me that this is not a proper review. And most people who write reviews, uh, not the professional ones now, but the, the, the amateur ones, or the cranks, they look to find mistakes, actually. So as, yeah. especially start up, you know, bloggers that just started up. You know, they want to make a name for themselves. So they actually uh, uh, um, think that the, the critic's job is to find fault which it isn't mm. you know you you the, the name suggests to help you see the name suggests yeah, it does yeah. i know but it isn't you know so and this is actually the unfairness of of tripadvisor that uh, uh, if anything starts or oh, i have been here many times why didn't you take the bother then to write actually something nice beforehand why do you take the time now to write a one-star review that actually can harm a business yeah that can actually put jobs at risk and so on, you know, so I really, but a couple of years ago, PJ, really funny, I actually did a a survey uh, asking people how much do they actually value these reviews? And you know what? The majority, and I think it was uh, 72%, actually go by word of mouth. Yeah. So what family and friends recommend, this is what they believe. They don't believe actually TripAdvisor that much. They look up, for example, TripAdvisor is mostly looked up for um, seeing how what the opening times are, the address is, and so on. But they're using actually family and friends to say, oh, have you been there? Yeah, I've been, I liked it. And that's what they decide then on to, which is actually the best way of doing it, actually. You know, so I really, and I get, for example, asked lots of times. So, for example, a, a, a local woman contacted me the other day. She's going to Dublin. Do you know some restaurants? And I gave her a whole lot of places I've been and that I always had great experience in. And she trusted me more than she would have trusted uh, TripAdvisor, which yeah. I loved. You know, I loved the fact that she trusted me more than, than that. And it is really kind of, uh, um, I think we are tired of this bed mousing and we are tired of, uh, uh, I don't know, people thinking they know everything. And don't forget these bloggers, reviewers, whatever you call them, they've never worked in the industry, yeah. you know. They they, they look they, they look at nitty-pitty things and, and, and so on. And even so, I, wrote, I, I read a, a review that was many years ago, and it was the first time that I actually complained to the editor. Um, it happened that there was a friend of mine who was reviewed. She, she ran a restaurant in Cork. And uh, you could read from the review how that he was in a bad mood. The writer was in a bad mood. He gave out about the fact that there was a hen night on the night. Uh, and he couldn't eat, he couldn't enjoy his food in peace and quiet. I mean, no restaurant I know can turn away paying no, guests, no, you know. Yeah. And and this review should not have been written. He yeah, should have come was... back another night. Yeah. 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 Or, or just, and it just, was sorry, stated. you're there to review the yeah. food. 
You know, you did exactly. review the food no, and, the, and the service. No, he, no, that was nasty. And it was treaving, yeah. It was treving yeah. from, from, from nastiness and from anger and, and, yeah. and he just didn't like it. It's also uh, very hard, uh, I guess, sometimes, I'm sorry, I think it's also very hard to review a restaurant on a general basis. If you go in and you have your meal and you have what you like, you really have no idea what the rest of the menu is like. Exactly. And the thing as well is, let's say, and this is also, it's personal likes and dislikes, you know. So, for example, I don't like aubergine, so I would never order a dish with aubergine. But just because it has aubergine in it doesn't make the dish a bad dish. No. It just means I don't like aubergine. So I would still rate, if I had to, I would still rate it on appearances, on presentation, on temperature, on taste. You know, so this is what I would judge it on. I just would leave the aubergine out simply. I really do not like aubergine, you know, but it it, is. But I would still kind of uh, review everything else based on presentation, as I said, temperature, uh, because it's the food, uh, because sometimes it's too hot, it's too cold, but you know, whatever it is. And, well, that, and that's subjective too, you things. see. That, that's, that's, it is, I like my food, I like my food very hot. I like my food served I do very as well, hot. Yeah. You know? I do, I Partic- do as well, yeah. Particularly in a, in, a, in a Chinese or an Indian, I like my food to come down really scorching mm-hmm. hot. Elk, good to talk to you as always. Uh, thanks very much. That's Elk Amani. Would you check out the reviews of a restaurant? Or would you write your own? Or, or TripAdvisor, I'm sorry, Cranks. Paradise. I'll tell you a little story in one minute. We were in a place in Lasenia in Spain in 2019 and it was a fairly innocuous looking joint. I went there one morning. I brought the young fella down for his breakfast one morning into a place called Johnny Sings. Now, yeah, I know, Johnny Sings. Sitting in a little, little place in the middle of a commercial centre in Lasenia. And I wandered in and we got breakfast and we were chatting and the owner was such a lovely, lovely fella, a really lovely guy and he spotted straight away spotted straight away the difference, if you know what I'm getting at. And he treated my boy like a king. Like a king. We went back that evening for dinner, the whole family. And again, same thing. And I went to TripAdvisor and I wrote a review. I got a picture taken and I wrote a review and I praised it to the hilt. And I went in the following day for a coffee and the poor man was nearly in tears. He was so grateful that someone had been nice about him on TripAdvisor. Because there's so much nastiness there. Fergal says he'd love a restaurant that would ban shorts. Get off the stage. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Question number 10. What year did Ireland last win the Six Nations? Last won the Six Nations in 2018. You said 2018. You, my friends, have just won 2,000 euros. Oh, yes, buddy. Oh, yeah. Get in. Well done, buddy. Get in. Johnny boy, you've just nailed it. Happy Friday. Congratulations, my man. You just nailed 2,000 euro in cash. Oh, lad. Thanks a million. Stacking up the cash. 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 The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Courts 96 FM. Yeah, there is a video, which you can find on YouTube somewhere, called How Michelin Inspectors Stay Secret. I was actually fascinated by that, that story that Elk was telling me about this reviewer, this restaurant reviewer in London, who, who's known for being tough, but no one actually knows 
who they are. Fascinating. But there is a, a video uh, of how the Mitchell and Star Inspector, because that's all secret, that's all done really quietly and really under the radar, the Mitchell and Star people, and, and they have to stay uh, anonymous. And, and there's a video on YouTube as to how they go about doing that. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Siobhan O'Neill, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thank you for having me on your show. Delighted. Yeah. Now, from Cork yeah. City Partnership, and you have this, I think we've talked about this before, the Growing Your Potential yes. course. And you have another, That's right. you have another yeah. intake coming up. That's right, yes. We're starting the course tomorrow, but uh, we just have a couple of places left. So if somebody contacted me, uh, and the, you know, they might be able to start next week. So I suppose, you know, the course has been on the go now for five years. And I suppose just a kind of a broad kind of outline of what it kind of involves. We offer a range of supports from confidence building, you know, the whole area of personal development, because we find that women... Often when they've been out of the workplace for a long time, their confidence is down in the ground, you know, so it's really important to kind of build that up again. We do CV preparation and interview skills, which is a hu- obviously a huge part of, uh, of what you need whenever you're uh, going to look for a work. And also we have a career coach. It's one of our trainers and she does three individual one-to-one sessions with the women and she does their CV for them, which is fantastic. And as well as that, we have uh, a woman who really focuses on personal presentation for interview and what you might or might not wear and also communication in uh, in uh, in interview, which is really important. So I suppose it's all about giving women... I suppose, time to kind of reflect on maybe what they want to do next. Maybe it's we could call it me time and uh, just look at what's out there. And for some women, they might think they don't want to go back to what they were doing before. They want to explore, you know, maybe new opportunities. Um, so that tends to be the case. Mm. The course is um, three mornings a week on Zoom. There will be some face-to-face. It's on from 10 until 12. Yeah. And uh, as I said, it's starting tomorrow. Yeah. So if anyone is interested, they should uh, get in contact with me. They could phone me at 021-430-2310 or they could go on the partnership website and they can get more details there. Yeah. When we were talking about so, before, uh, what the point that mm-hmm. was being made was Women who take a few years off to raise children and then the children go off yeah. to school and they've got time on their hands, they feel and they fear that they've they've fallen behind because the world now the world of work moves so yeah. fast now. Yeah. So it's like yeah. a catch yeah. up in the and world of work. It is. It is really and it's interesting you brought up that point because for a lot of women they you know, they don't value the skills that they're using in the home. And we're big into focusing on transferable skills on this course. It's like one woman said in a previous course, she thought she'd left her skill set at the office door when she left work. But in fact, she'd left her self-confidence at the door. So what she thought when she sat down and actually looked at the skills that she's using in the, the home and compare them to the workplace, very, very similar. Yeah. You know, listening, decision-making, planning and organising, time management, problem-solving, managing an expenditure budget, you know, and so on. So, all, I mean, all, any all employer would co- want those skills. All of that is <laughs> you covered know? under managing a couple of screaming kids for a few years. All of exactly, that is covered. you know, exactly, and more, you know. So I think it's, like, we really emphasise that on the course, you know. Uh, you're using these skills all the time at home and it's really 
really important to kind of uh, to focus on that and realise that, as I said, any employer would be really interested in uh, somebody with those skills. So, you know, I think we really we look at how we can build women's confidence, you know, in, say, in the course, the personal development side of it. We look at, you know, exploring your strengths, knowing your skills, goal setting. So it's a very broad, broad course, you know, and... It's very interactive and it's a great crack as well. You know, it's not all serious, which I think is important to say that. Yeah, Very short in time in terms of you've got a course starting tomorrow. But if anybody's listening to us this morning that that says, I might try that, where do they go? Yeah. Well, they could call me at 021-430-2310. That's the partnership uh, landline. Or they could go on the website and uh, they'll get more information there. So that's the best thing I would say to people. Four three zero two three one zero is it? Yeah, oh, 021. Yeah. Okay. I'll yeah. go on the partnership website. All right, listen, thanks for that. Siobhan O'Neill from Cork City Partnership. If you want to get on that course, back to work, it's free. It's all done over Zoom a couple of mornings a week to get you back into the workforce if you've been out of it for a while. Oh two one four three zero two three one zero or corkcitypartnership.ie. 0818 96 96 96 Mary Jane on restaurants she says I pick what I'm eating before I'm even there why? oh god is is that not part of the fun of trying somewhere new is to see what's on the restaurant or on the, win- on the menu rather is that not but yeah of course the habit I have is I go to a place and I know what I like and I know what my favourites are and I get the menu and I'll still spend 10 minutes reading the menu and always order the same thing. That's another habit. But I still have to read that menu. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Due back in July, back in all its glory, uh, 11th to 15th July is Cork Week. Yeah, just before the week and then it was just Cork Week and now it's Volvo Cork Week at the RCYC and it's a great event and Anne-Marie Fagan is co-chair of Volvo Cork Week and Vice Admiral of the RCYC Anne-Marie, good morning to you good to talk to you again How are you? Good, good You must be buzzing about being able to get going again Absolutely so excited with our tricentenary, kind of had it was a bit of a dampener because of COVID Uh, we're so excited we're uh, passing 150 and on target to get 200 boats into Cork Harbour, which is a huge achievement and we're delighted. Yeah. The event dates back to what? The 90s. Uh, and Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's huge. Yeah. I mean, people don't realise how big it is until you're standing down in the middle of it. Yeah, well, it, it's big on water now, PJ, more than on shore. We've yeah. got uh, four championship events. We've got uh, a 1720 Europeans. The 1720 are uh, boats that were designed in Cork, and they're one design boats. We've got the Irish Cruising Racing National Championships. We've got the Dragon South Coast and the SB20s. We also have a Beaufort Cup race, which is for uh, uniform service personnel, and including our RNLI, or Coast Guard, or Navy, or Armies, and that's a huge event. That goes down around the Fastest Rock and comes back up. And uh, we'll have people, we had, in 2018, we had vets came all the way from the US to partake in that race. Yeah. 
We also have a brand new off the rack, Cape 31s. Um, they're, uh, this will be their first big event and we hope to even get 10 of them over. So for people at Cork to come down and enjoy the harbour, which is the second most picturesque harbour in the world, and see these boats on the water will just be amazing. Yeah. On the water is the huge event, but off the water, it's a massive social weekend, Anne-Marie. It always has been. Well, it's a massive social Sunday. Uh, the, the Sunday is a family fun day where we welcome everybody down. And this year it'll stretch from the Yacht Club right up to Camden Force. So we want everybody to come and enjoy the village, enjoy the uh, the fun fair, which is Piper's. We have the Colleen Orr and Sea Safaris coming off the, at the pier where people can go on boat trips and go out and enjoy the harbour and see the boats. And um, we have a lovely coastal uh, market it, at the Royal Cork, as well as um, a marine scientist coming down to talk to us and do kids' talks on, on how we can help the environment and, and all that. So um, that, that's what it's about this year. It's about sustainability. It's about keeping going. It's about keeping the sailors on the water and, and getting everyone down to have a bit of fun. Okay, and in the oldest yacht club in the world, and we often forget that, the oldest and one of the most prestigious yacht clubs in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. And we have our our ladies day on Wednesday, and um, the ladies lunch, the portrait by um, Brown Thompson doing our goodie bags, and Sheena has been very kind to give us fantastic spot prizes, and she's doing a few surprises on the day. It's totally booked out. And we have Amy, Amy Hooperman and Brendan Courtney there as well. So it's, it's all shaping up to be a great event. Okay. Fantastic to have it back. And I'll see you at some stage during the course of the week and maybe even before it. Volvo Cork Week back at the RCYC, July 11th to 15th. Lots, lots of elements of it already sold out and a huge number of boats on the water. On the wa- And the places to go and see it. Like you can see if, if you get good weather that week... You can head up to Camden and grab a coffee and watch it from there. Or the new amenity park in Hall Bolin, which is fabulous. You can watch it from there. Or go down to Cove and sit down and have a bit of grub down there on the pier and or a cup of coffee and look out and you'll see it from there. It's just marvellous. It's really, really brilliant. Back in July, Volvo Cork Week. 0818 96 96 96. I mentioned this at the top of the programme this morning and I was delighted to see this news break last evening and it confirmed this morning in a press release. But uh, following in the footsteps of JFK, of Mary McAleese, of, of, of Mary Robinson and of President Michael D. Higgins and many, many more will be in a few weeks' time my good friend Mary Crilly. Mary, good morning and congratulations. Good morning, How do you feel? And, and thank you so much. I feel stunned. I feel privileged and I feel honoured. But most of all, I feel stunned, I think, because there's so many amazing people like my pal Katrina Toomey and others. Um, I was really shocked. I wasn't expecting it. It was totally out of the blue. And I'm honoured. Um, and I'm kind of really so proud of the city that they're not ducking issues like sexual violence, which they never have. And, you know, I thought about you when I did get it because you've given us in the centre so much airtime and the whole issue of sexual violence and the whole issue of victim blaming. And I think that's really has a huge part to play, that people do know what we do, do know the importance of um, talking about sexual violence and, you know, knowing that the conversation changes everything. It really does. So I really appreciate everybody over the past 40 years who's been involved in the centre and who's supported us, and especially you, because 
I mean, the amount of our time you've given me is phenomenal. Oh. I really mean that from my heart. You're, you're very, you're very kind, Mary. You've always been available to us and always uh, never, never afraid to speak your mind. That's one thing you're not. You're, you've, you, I didn't realise you were born a dub. I know, Jesus. I hope keep that quiet. To be honest, like because. <laughs> I could out myself about everything else, but I remember somebody there um, said to me a couple of months ago, tell me anything, but don't tell me enough from Cork, so I didn't say a word. I shut my mouth. Um, I'm here over 45 years, yeah. though, and it's a bit like the two Norris would say, um, by the grace of God, they were born in Cork, and for me, by the grace of God, I ended up in Cork, because I think my life would have been so much different, and Cork has been so good to me in going through different um life changes and different things that, you know, Cork has enabled me to kind of be myself in lots of ways. Yeah. You said to me in, in my podcast last year, you said to me that you sometimes feel a touch of imposter syndrome. This must be a really big one for you. <laughs> Talk about kind of the, the anxiety after feeling like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to cut out now at this stage. I did have a huge bit of that, but really appreciative and really, oh, my God. Wow. Thank you, and thank you, and thank you, and that's you know acknowledge the goodwill of everybody who is giving this to me and to the centre. Yeah. Do, do do you know when it'll be happening yet? It's happening on the ninth of June. Ninth of June. 9th yeah. Of June. So keep that afternoon free. All right. I think I will actually because <laughs> that's one one I'm delighted. I'm absolutely yeah. thrilled for you. We first met. It's over twenty years ago now, uh, and and the centre wasn't half as established as as it is now. But I'm de- I'm delighted for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've done such a wonderful job for people in this city. Mary Crilly to be made officially a Freeman of Cork City on the 9th of June um, for the work she's done for and on behalf of not just women, but mostly women in the last uh, 40 years. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful character. And earlier this year was uh, awarded um, a Pride of Cork Award. Uh, And was thrilled at that. I had the privilege of presenting that to her. She was absolutely thrilled at that. But uh, yeah, that's great. That's marvellous. Great day's work by our Lord Mayor, Councillor Colum Kelleher. 0818 96 96 96. I should remind you, you should at this stage, I, I shouldn't need to remind you, but I will. You shouldn't need to be told at this stage that you can listen to Horse 96 FM anywhere you want, anywhere in the world. And in the next couple of weeks, when people are going to start heading off on the holidays, I expect to be listened to around swimming pools and on balconies and on beaches. <laughs> and if you want to do that, you can get your new smartphone or your tablet or your smart speaker. But you can grab your smartphone or tablet and download our app. Download the Corks 96 FM app and then you can take us everywhere. And not just do you get the radio station, but you get lots of other stuff. You get the hit mix, you get the fit mix... You get lots of other bits and pieces thrown out, and you get our podcasts. We do a bunch of podcasts now every day after the show. We do the main show podcast, the full show podcast, which you get in mid-afternoon. And then we put together a bunch of what we call podcast extra. You'll see them all coming up. But if you subscribe to our podcasts on the app, they'll come up for you in the course of the afternoon. And we start putting them up very early in the afternoon. Very early in the afternoon, okay? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. This looks exciting. The Cork Carnival of Science on the eleventh and twelfth of June. This sounds like such a lot of fun. It'll happen at Fitzgerald's Park, Saturday eleventh, Sunday twelfth June. And the carnival, of course, it was here before, but COVID put pay to it. 
but it is back. I'm joined by Mary Walsh, who's executive scientist with Cork City Council. And I'm just reading what you're going to have. It's going to be brilliant, Mary. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, it's going to be great. We have a packed lineup, and Cork City Council is absolutely delighted that the Carnival of Science is back in Fitzgerald's Park on the 11th and 12th of June. As you said, it's a free event, and it's organised by um, Cork City Council and supported by Science Foundation Ireland. Um, so we haven't had it since 2019, as you said, but that was an enormous success with over 13,500 people attending. So we're really excited about the, the event in June. Yeah. So who contributes to it, Mary? So um, we have a huge number of science performers, um, people delivering workshops and so on that will be coming for the two days. Um, the idea is to take science out of the classroom um, into a fun kind of informal environment where children can experience science and interact with science with their families. And um, I suppose really we want to promote science, technology, engineering and maths and to kind of foster a love of it um, amongst children and allow them to interact with it and experience it with their families and be entertained and educated and have fun and laugh and all the rest um, over the two days. We're coming up to a significant anniversary. In fact, I was invi- invited to an event to go along with it, the 120th anniversary of the Cork World Fair in 1902. And this is the biggest transformation of Fitzgerald's Park since then. Just what have you had to do to it, or what will you have to do to the place? Um, there'll be a big top a little top, a whole lot of marquees. Um, We have um, people coming from, I suppose, all over Ireland, Belfast, the UK, um, to deliver performances, workshops, walkabout, entertainment, um, science on stilts, magic shows, um, and so on. You know, so you can be sure there's something there for everybody in the family and um, it will be very entertaining. Yeah, and of course, very much supported by the city council. Uh, and why did why was the why did the council embrace this from the start? Why were you so willing to support it? Well, I suppose um, Cork City Council has always wanted to promote, I suppose, science, technology, engineering, and maths. And you know, you can see this through you know the lifetime lab education program that's at the Old Cork Waterworks Experience and other initiatives like I Wish. And really, we want to encourage people to interact with science, appreciate the role of science in society and its potential to solve like a lot of our kind of the problems of today's society, whether they be in medicine, you know, climate change, development of new technologies and so on. But I suppose ultimately we want people to kind of love science, maybe choose a career in science and, uh, you know, produce the workforce for the great industry that is in the Cork region. So, you know, it's it, that's part of, I suppose, the strategy of Cork City Council. Excellent. You know, and we all provide a big lineup of great fun events as well throughout the, the summer yeah. and I think the public need them at this stage after two years of having no events. I know that you're uh, there with Mervyn Horgan who is the manager of the Lifetime Lab passing over to me there. Uh, Mervyn, Mar- uh, good morning to you. you. You devised the festival. It was your baby and it's really grown <laughs> well, up. Yeah, I, I, I'm the fellow that gets the blame, PJ, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I suppose look, you, you've always been a great supporter of Lifetime Lab um, and Old Cork Waterworks experience. I mean, you, you give us mentions many times. And over the years, we've run open days and events, STEM engagement events, engineering open days and science days. And we recognized that there was a huge appetite for um, the public to participate in these events, especially as a family unit, families together, doing the activities together. So we we had an idea, we came up with an idea, we approached Cork City Council, who were fantastic, and then we also approached Science Foundation Ireland with the idea. Um, and the result is uh, Ireland's biggest, Ireland's largest outdoor science engagement event in the country. And it happens to be in Cork, so we're very proud of that. Yeah, It outgrew the Lifetime Lab very quickly. It, it did, and I suppose everything has its time, um, uh, PJ. And I, and I suppose the, the, the model was we needed a bigger garden. And the whole idea is to move science out of universities, out of classrooms, normalise it and bring it into uh, everyday scenarios. And Fitzgerald's Park is a wonderful location mm. um, yeah, and we have a lot going on there. Do you know, I, the, the whole Waterworks Lifetime Lab project and, and the development of this, I mean, as, as someone who's been, always been, been into science, what I love to see on, on someone's face when they go and they go, oh, what's this about now? Science, what's all this? And you show them something and you that's science. And they look at you going, really? I said, that's science. It's the whole discovery of what exactly science is and, and how it's used, isn't it, Reverend? It is, it is. And I mean, science is all around us, PJ, from the mobile phone in your pocket to the studio you're sitting in to the bus people get to work every morning. So it's not just um, people in lab coats with funny hair and glasses, you know, and that's what we're trying to achieve. Uh, you're trying to open it out. I mean, we've what, eight or nine of the top ten multinationals in the world based in Cork. Um, they're all going to look for, for, for graduates in the future and we are the start of the pipeline. Yeah. So our idea is to provide a positive experience of science engagement in a fun and accessible manner. Yeah. And some of the activities we have are we have sit-down science shows, we have walkabout performers, we have hands-on workshops and we have activity stands. And we also have a, a lineup of street cuisine as well. So it's a really a full, full day activity in Fitzgerald's Park on the, the 11th to 12th of June. Yeah, you've got a lot of people coming in for it from outside as well. We have, and I, and I think it's important as well that that um, uh, a lot of the suppliers, a lot of the marquees, the gazebos, the crews, the production crew, they're all 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 uh, come from the local workforce, and we're bringing in about ninety bed nights on Friday and Saturday. They'd be in around about two hundred and twenty bed nights coming in to Cork for that weekend as well. So it's it's it the, the event exists outside the park as well. Uh, there's graphic designers involved. There is um, marketing people, PR people. So it's 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 bigger than the actual park itself. Wow! And of course, it's a huge, a huge uh, con- conversion of the park for the couple of days. So when does the work on that start? Oh yeah, we'll be we'll be starting uh, very very early in the hours of Friday morning. I think we have a six a.m. start on Friday um, to set up. We've in around. 45 different structures going in. Uh, we have a, oh. a circus big top. We have a circus little top. We have uh, three metre by three metre marquees all the way up to nine by nine metres. So there's a lot of work involved in it. And of course, then on the Monday morning, it'll be what festival? We have to make sure that the park was put back and the way we found it. Um, so for the rest of the, 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 the people to enjoy. Where can we get the details of a brochure or events or whatever, Marvin? <laughs> Very good, Peter. Like, if you just go to uh, www.oldcockwaterworks.ie, we have an event page up there with um, uh, some of the activities and the event map and 
uh, you can download it and we also keep an eye on our Facebook page and, and, and our Twitter page as well um, and we'll also have guide maps and uh, brochures um, available on the day as well right. um, just on, on the top on the topic of um, um, as well we're hoping um, we will have um, sign language interpretation as well uh, for the sit down shows and some of the activities um, and and look try to be as inclusive um, as possible Excellent. Look forward to it. Look forward to popping up for a visit when it's on. The Cork Carnival of Science. That's Mervyn Horgan, who's manager of the Lifetime Lab, and he devised the festival initially and it grew and outgrew the whole thing. And before that, Mary Walsh, executive scientist of Cork City Council, because the whole thing's supported by the City Council. That's it. The programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We shall see you tomorrow just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.